Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you in your journey with Christ. For additional resources, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Do you ever feel like you are just barely hanging on? Ever, anybody else ever feel that? Yeah, yeah. There was a, a pilot one time who took his plane off from Portland, Maine on a commuter flight on the way to Boston. The pilot's name was a man named, he was Henry Dempsey was his name. And they were in the air flying when all of a sudden uh, he heard a strange noise coming from the back of the aircraft. And so uh, Henry Dempsey handed the controls over to the co-pilot and he went back to check things out. But on his way toward the back of the plane, all of a sudden they hit an air pocket. And in the turbulence, Henry Dempsey was thrown against the back door of the aircraft. Well, to make matters worse, that back door had not been properly latched before takeoff. That was the noise that he had heard. So when Henry Dempsey was thrown against that back door, it came flying open and he was sucked out of the jet into the, into the sky. And so, well, obviously this is a bad situation. And so the co-pilot manages to get a hold of an airport and request an emergency landing. And he radios to order a helicopter search of the area of the ocean that they've been flying over because he says the pilot has just fallen out. And the co-pilot finally manages to get the plane landed here. And immediately upon inspection, amazingly, they found Henry Dempsey holding on to an exterior ladder of the airplane. Somehow, when that door had flown open and he was sucked out, he managed to grab a hold of this ladder and hold on for 10 minutes, flying at 200 miles an hour, 4,000 feet of altitude, and then as the plane lands, somehow manages to keep his head from scraping against the runway, and it literally took the airport personnel minutes to pry his fingers off of that ladder. You can imagine, can't you? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're just barely holding on? Like life is so fast, so crazy, so tough right now that it's the best you can do just not to let go. Well, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has more for you than just holding on. In fact, in John chapter 16 today, Jesus has the audacity to promise that in the middle of the chaos of your lives, you can have peace. But before we get to this promise of peace, we have to confront the problem of pain because life hurts, doesn't it? And you know this by now that if you sign up to be a follower of Jesus, he does not give you a magical ticket to a pain-free life. In fact, Jesus still promises that troubles will come. Now, we're continuing our series uh, that we've been in the writings of John this whole year. John was one of Jesus' disciples, Jesus' best earthly friend. And so for the first part of this year, we've been going through the Gospel of John, which are these stories from Jesus' life that John has recorded for us. And for several weeks, we've been in John chapters 14 through 17, which is this really intimate conversation that Jesus had with his disciples on the night before he died. And today, specifically, we're going to be in John chapter 16. But right before chapter 16... In this same conversation in John 15, Jesus reminds his disciples that life is not going to be easy for them as Christ followers in a broken world. Here's what he says. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, the world would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
And this was not an empty prediction. These aren't just words. These words happened like all of Jesus's words do. You see, in the Roman Empire during the first century, it was this wide kind of smashed together melting pot similar to we are with a lot of different religions and cultures and ideas throughout the empire. And the one force that held the whole empire together was called the imperial cult, basically emperor worship. And and Rome said, listen, you can worship whatever gods you want to. You can can have whatever ideas you think you want to. That's fine. All you got to do is that you have to bow down at the altar, offer a pinch of incense and say, Caesar is Lord. And as long as you're willing to say Caesar is Lord and submit to the emperor, then you can have whatever other ideas or gods you want to. But then along came this ragtag, scrappy little group called Christians. And they had the audacity to say that actually there's only one Lord. And it was a carpenter from Nazareth that you guys executed. And for them to say that Jesus was Lord implied that Caesar was not. And so the ancient Christians were often accused by Rome of of insurrection. They were accused of cannibalism because they talked about eating this guy's flesh and drinking his blood like we just did. They were accused of incest because they called each other brother and sister and they greeted one another with a holy kiss. They were accused of atheism because they didn't worship the Roman pantheon of gods. They knew that in order to follow Jesus meant they were going to run against the grain of the world around them. And as the old saying goes, the nail that sticks up is going to get hammered down. And they knew that, and yet they signed on anyway, and Jesus was right. The world often hated them for it. In fact, Scripture would go so far as to suggest that if nobody hates you for following Jesus, you might be doing it wrong. First Peter chapter 4 says, Peter reminds the early church, hey, you're going to expect suffering. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. He says, but rejoice. Inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Expect suffering when you follow Jesus. Now, we have been really blessed to grow up in a culture where it didn't ruffle very many feathers to follow Jesus. But around the world right now, millions of Jesus followers have had a very different experience. Right now, at this moment, 340 million Christians worldwide are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination for following Jesus. In the last year that we know of, 4,488 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. 4,277 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned, and 4,761 Christians were killed for their faith. This is today. It's not just a thing of the past. Uh, There's a, a leader of the underground church in China who was talking about this movement of, of churches, these house churches that they're building. And he said that they build their church on five pillars. Pillar number one is relying on prayer. Pillar number two is learning and living by God's word. Pillar number three is that every believer is expected to share the gospel. And we would share those things. We'd say amen to those things. Prayer, God's word, sharing the gospel, absolutely. Then he says pillar number four that they build their churches on is to expect miracles, that they want to rely on God to such a degree that they expect God to do something supernatural to sustain them. That's pretty cool. And pillar number five, he said, is to embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. Notice his word choice. He didn't say endure suffering. He said embrace it, embrace it. No wonder then that the church is growing so rapidly in China that we have a church 100 million strong in China and that at this pace in 10 years, there are gonna be more Christians in China than America. Praise God. 
It reminds me of the early leaders of the church in the book of Acts, and they get flogged one time for preaching about Jesus. And after this, it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, it says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So listen, when you say Jesus is Lord, the world around you may say that you are narrow-minded. They may say that you are intolerant. They may say that you are outdated or foolish or repressive. But they hate you because they hated Jesus first. And to suffer for following him is a privilege that we may yet get to embrace. And if and when we do, God wants more for you than just to hold on during that. And whether you're suffering for your faith right now or whether you're just experiencing the the bumps and bruises that come from normal everyday life on a fallen planet, God has more for you than just holding on. At the end of John chapter 16 here, Jesus gives us the purpose for this whole chapter. John 16, 33, he says this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Trouble's gonna come, but peace is still promised. Now, there's a lot of people who are gonna promise you peace, but Jesus' peace is different. Earlier in this same conversation, John chapter 14, Jesus said this. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. And here's what he means. Jesus does not promise you the peace of a trouble-free life. That's the only kind of peace the world can promise. That if your salary increases, if your to-do list decreases, if you book that vacation, if you get the kids through school, if you land that job, if you have that insurance policy, if your investments are going well, as long as nothing is going wrong, then you can have peace. But Jesus is offering you a different kind of peace, a greater peace, a bulletproof Fort Knox kind of peace that lasts even when your life is not picture perfect because Jesus, remember, is the prince of peace. I heard heard a story of an art contest one time to determine who could paint the picture of perfect peace. And so eventually the contest was whittled down to two final paintings and they were gonna decide which one best depicted total peace. And on one hand, there was one painting that was just this glassy lake next to a beautiful meadow. There were sheep grazing under a gorgeous evening sky. And yet that was not the picture that won. Total serenity. But that picture didn't win. And the winning portrait was a portrait of a tumbling waterfall. Waves crashing, wind blowing, that water's cold, the sky is black, lightning pierces through the night sky. At first glance, this looks anything but peaceful. Until you look a little more closely... And you see there under the rocks is nestled a bird sitting on her nest, just totally undisturbed by the chaos around her. And this, this is the kind of peace that Jesus is offering you. The kind of peace, as Paul would say in Philippians chapter four, verse seven, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It's a kind of peace that doesn't make sense to the world around you. And that's the kind of peace that is gonna guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so here in John chapter 16, Jesus gives us three assurances that lead us to that kind of peace, no matter the storm. And here's assurance number one from John 16. Assurance number one, God is with you. God is with you. In John 16, we see that God is with us through the presence of his Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus says in verses seven through 15. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, 
I will send him to you. And Jesus has gone. He came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, he ascended back to the Father, and then he sent the Holy Spirit on his followers. Right now, at this moment, if you are a follower of Jesus, the very presence of God is with you and in you through the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus says about the Spirit. He says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people did not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Jesus is saying here, hey, listen, even though following me is not going to be easy in an unbelieving world, even though it's not gonna make sense to the people around you, the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit is going to be with you and will remind you that I am right and that you are right to follow me. So listen, no matter what you're going through right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, God is with you, and ultimately, he will prove himself right. It reminds me of the story of three young Jewish men from the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were living in Babylon in, in, in an unbelieving world that did not respect their faith, and, and they were faced with a choice. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to bow down to a gold statue of him. And that, so they're faced with the choice. Are they, are they gonna hold to their convictions or are they gonna cave in to the pressures of the world? And even when they were threatened by King Nebuchadnezzar that if you don't bow down to this statue, you're gonna be thrown in the fiery furnace. But they chose to hold true to their conviction that they have one king and that God was the only one worthy of their worship. And so they said this in Daniel chapter three, verses 17 and 18. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And I love this, here it is. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And sure enough, they refuse to bow down and they're thrown into the fiery furnace and yet they don't burn up. Verses 24 and 25 says, then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, hey, uh, weren't, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I, I, see, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. God was right there in the fire with them and he proved himself right. And the same God who is with them in the fire is the same God who is with you through the presence of his Holy Spirit and he will prove himself right. That's assurance number one, God is with you. Here's assurance number two, God hears you. God hears you. This is the assurance of answered prayer. I remember one time I was on a road trip with some of my college buddies and we were getting ready to go through a city and there's this big, huge, massive church uh, that we were kind of interested in. And normally at a, at a church like that, it'd be pretty hard to get a meeting with the preacher. You'd have to schedule it months ahead of time with one of his assistants or much more likely he'd kind of ship you off to one of the other staff members that you could talk to. And so we didn't think there was a chance. And, and I didn't know this preacher well, but I actually happened to know his son. And I was friends with his son, and so we let his son know that we were coming through town. And then all of a sudden, we didn't ask for anything, but unbeknownst to us, this preacher's calling us, and he's getting a hold of us and wanting to hang out with us and, and, and give us a tour and all this. We had unusual access to the Father because we knew the Son. And that's what Jesus says you can have too. Look at this, John 16, 27. He says, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. Verses 23 and 24, he says, very truly I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. 
And so, as Christians, we pray in Jesus' name. And that phrase, in Jesus' name, is more than just a few words that we tack on to the end of the prayer to let people know we're kind of wrapping it up. This is, a, this is a reality that we pray in. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're saying, Father, I'm coming to you because I'm a friend of your son's. Father, I'm coming to you because I'm covered by your son. I'm coming to you because your son has saved me and granted me access to you. I'm coming to you and I want what your son wants. I know the prayer's tough for a lot of people. It's for me. And you may not always know what to say. We all go through those seasons. You may feel unworthy and you are. You may wonder sometimes if your words are just bouncing off the ceiling. But listen, when you go to the Father in the name of the Son, he always has time for you. God hears you. That's the promise of Jesus here in John 16. God is with you, God hears you. And here's assurance number three, God is not done. This is the assurance of Jesus's return. Jesus tells his disciples here in this conversation that he's gonna have to go away. And they're confused by that, they're disappointed by that. But here's what Jesus says to them, verses 19 through 22. He says, are you asking one another what I meant? When I said, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby's born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And you mothers know this, right? The process of giving birth is incredibly painful, and yet all that pain fades away when the joy of new life has arrived. Easy for me to say, right? I get it. But I've seen it happen a few times. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> and this is the hope that we have, that no matter the pain of your life right now, you can still have joy of knowing the pain's gonna be gone and new life is coming. God is not done. And remember the context here. This is not just some kind of pie-in-the-sky promise that Jesus makes in a moment where life is easy and everything's rainbows and butterflies. Jesus is not just being an optimist. Jesus is telling us this. He's promising us peace while he sits at the Last Supper where he's about to be betrayed by one of his best friends where he knows that in a matter of hours he's going to be tortured and executed. Jesus is telling us this in the face of the cross and yet Jesus knows that in the face of the cross all is not lost. God is not done. He knows that we're not just holding on. We're looking forward to something better. Because even in the face of the cross, Jesus knows Judas Iscariot is not in charge and the conspiring Jewish religious leaders are not in charge and Rome and all of her empire is not in charge and Satan and all of his demons is not in charge. God is still in charge and he works all things together for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his good purpose. God is not done. And Jesus knew as he made us this promise that on Friday his followers were gonna be in despair when his body was nailed to a cross. And he knew that on Saturday, his followers were gonna be depressed as his cold, dead corpse lay in a tomb. But he also knew that on Sunday, on Sunday, God was going to do something beyond their wildest imaginations. He knew that God was not done. And so now the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead proves once and for all that for all of us who follow Jesus, nothing is wasted, no suffering is hopeless, and no pain is forever. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter four. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Some of you can say amen. <laughs> Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, 
but what is unseen is eternal. And right now in this life here on this side of eternity, we still have some questions, don't we? You may have some questions. Why did my marriage fall apart? Why did my mom suffer from depression? Why, why did my dad leave? Why did my kids wander away? Why did the company shut down? Why does my body not cooperate? And those are valid questions, they are. But I wonder, I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if on the day that Jesus returns and we enter into his eternal glory, I wonder if those questions are just gonna disappear. Because scripture says he's gonna wipe away every tear from our eyes and our sorrow is gonna turn to joy and our pain will be forgotten. So listen, I don't know where you are right now, but if it's dark, I want you to remember that Friday and Saturday always lead to Sunday. God is not done. Jesus told us at the beginning of this chapter the reason that he's telling us all this. He says in John chapter 16, verse one, he says, all this I've told you so that you will not fall away. He's telling us this. This chapter, John 16, is a gift from God to you so that you will not fall away. So that when hard times come, you will not let go. You will not give up. <laughs> I, uh, I heard a story of the legendary football coach, Bear Bryant. One time he was at a meeting with his assistant coaches and he said, you know, there's a lot of different kind of boys out there, but we don't want just any boy to come play here at Alabama. He said, there's the kind of boy that when they get knocked down, they just stay down. And that's not the kind of boy we want to play here at Alabama. He said, then there's the kind of boy that when they get knocked down, they get back up. They get knocked down again, then they just stay down. That's not the kind of boy we want at Alabama either. He said, but then... Then there's the kind of boy that they get knocked down and no matter how many times you knock them down, they just keep on getting right back up. And one of his assistants piped up and said, that's the kind of boy we want here at Alabama, right, coach? He said, nope. We want the boy that's knocking all the other boys down. <laughs> you know, at our best, at our absolute best, maybe on our very, very, very best day, maybe, just maybe, we could be the boy who gets back up when he gets knocked down. <laughs> but the good news for you today is that the boy who's knocking all the other boys down is already on your team. So don't fall away. And if you're not on his team yet, there's a spot open for you. And when you're on this team, you get the peace of knowing that no matter what happens, God is with you, God hears you, and God is not done. Or as Jesus says in John 16, at the end of the chapter, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And all God's people said, Amen. let's pray. Jesus, you have overcome the world. You've knocked down every enemy. You hold the keys to death and Hades. You have won them through your death and your resurrection. You are eternally victorious and there's nothing, nothing that can stand in your way. And these troubles that we face, they don't seem light and momentary right now, but we know that they are in the scope of eternity and that they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We rest in these promises that through the gift of your Holy Spirit to us, you are with us right now. And that Jesus, through your righteousness, we get to approach the Father and that he's hearing us in this moment. 
and that you're gonna come back and that you're not done and that you're gonna make all things new and that we're finally gonna be freed from our sin and this world is gonna be liberated from its bondage to decay. We look forward to that day. And until then, we rest in this promise you've given us that whatever we ask in your name, you'll give it. And so Jesus, we are asking in your power in accordance with your will for all of these brothers and sisters of mine that they would not fall away so that you might have glory in us. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening today. It's our desire to help you grow as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church, would like to attend an online service, or plan an in-person visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast directly to your device, we encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.